0: Um, uh, I'm continuing in recent weeks uh, we have seen what the Bible says about our surrendered words about our surrendered words when you give your life to Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit draws you you surrendered your life to Christ you recognized your need for the Savior you understood that there's, there was a part of you that could never be fixed Many parts of you that could never be fixed out within your own abilities. And you knew that only a Savior could help you. And you gave your lives to Jesus Christ. And on that day, when you surrendered your life to Christ, you gave him everything. It was an unconditional surrender. It was never meant to hold just a portion back, but you gave your entire life to Jesus Christ. Last month, we were looking at surrendered minds How when you gave your life to him, your mind, that wonderful apparatus that God gave you for cognitive thought and for function that affects so much of us, that was given to the Lord. And and we are to be people who have minds that are surrendered to him, not held back, not holding anything, not in bondage to anything. And Jesus Christ in his power gives us the ability to have surrendered minds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only that, but our surrendered words or our surrendered mouths. We have surrendered minds. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you also gave him your words. And words, written or spoken, have the ability. You've noticed this. You understand this. Our words have the ability to make us cringe. You ever hear somebody say something and you cringe? Or maybe you say something and you cringe? Words have the ability to make us cringe or cower or laugh or cry. Words can disturb us. They can shake us. They can inspire us, motivate us, move us, like few other things. The Bible says, we've looked at this in recent weeks, in the book of Proverbs, it tells us that words have the the power of life and death. What we say, or to some degree what we write, has the ability to bring life to people, put life into them, or to take life out of them. Our words are powerful. It has been my prayer, it continues to be my prayer, in in these weeks that we understand that God has a plan for my words I believe that the Holy Spirit has been doing a work in some of your lives, and and He has been by His Spirit convicting you maybe of some of the things that you have been saying throughout your life. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been stirring us and instructing us that what we say matters. So I want to begin this morning with the, the verse that we finished with last Sunday. And it's Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, and it reads this way. You'll see it on the screen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you, you see it on the screen there, whether you're at home or here, would you you just say that with me? Let's recite it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, if you underline or highlight in your Bibles, that's a really good verse to highlight. Maybe you have it there already. As a psalm, like all of the psalms, In the book of Psalms, 150 chapters of it, like all of the Psalms, it was at first put to music. We don't have the melody. We can't sing it today. We don't know what the original melody was. But it was a a song, but it's also, you see it there, it's worded as a prayer. It's actually a prayer. It is a request to God that the words that are spoken and the thoughts of the heart, the meditations of the heart, will please him, will please the Lord. Now, I want you just to look at that verse again. Who is it saying that we are to please? Not other people, but to please the Lord. It's a prayer. May what I say or what I write, it may, may what I think about, the meditations of my heart, the things that are most important to me, may they be pleasing to you. You know, so often we think in regards to our words, and some people have this problem more than others, but some people want to say what other people want to hear. And we think if I say the right thing, it will please you. That's one of the reasons why people lie. We talked about lying last week. We do that generally with our words. Oftentimes people lie not to get their own way, but because they want to make the other person feel better. But it doesn't talk about the pleasure of another person. It says here, may the things that I say, I paraphrase, may the things that I say and the things that I think about or ponder in my heart, meditate in my heart, may they please you. See, ultimately, when it comes right down to it, we really ultimately, eternally, only have an audience of one. And that is, may the things that I say please you, Lord. May the things that I think about please you, Lord. So my question don't shout out the answer but my question to you is is what you say what you think about is it pleasing to the lord because he's aware of it all right he he is uh, omnipresent he's everywhere he's he's uh, omniscient he knows everything so he knows what you say he knows what we think is it pleasing to the lord this verse also that you see before, you here in Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, also shows a this is very important, it shows a connection between our mouths and our heart. Do you see it there? It says, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. It's talking about it all in the same sentence. The things that we think about and the things that we say, there is a connection. There's a connection between the deepest part of us, that is our heart, not not this organ that pumps blood, but, but the, the centrality of our being, the things that, that are most important to us, the thing that really makes us function, the, the deepest part of us. There's a connection between the deepest part of us, our heart, and our primary means of communication. Now, I know that we can communicate in a lot of different ways. We can communicate with body posture. We can communicate with tone of voice. That's why things just written really don't communicate a great deal. Uh, uh, There's better communication just with all of it. But so much of our communication, our primary means of communication of what's in my heart to other people is through our words. There's a connection Between, this verse shows us, a connection between the deepest part of us, our heart, and the primary means of communication. That's why words are so powerful. Because they communicate things that are within us. Words communicate the things that are within us. Now, in Luke chapter 6, and if you have a Bible, you can certainly follow along, go there. You're going to see it here in a moment. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus spoke of this heart and mouth connection. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said this, a good person produces good things from the treasury. That is a place that we store up, right? Store up something valuable. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart, Jesus said that our words don't actually start here, our mouths. words actually start here in our heart or in our mind in our in, in, in that that processing part of us. Words don't start here, they start here and here that 's where it really it really comes from <laughs> You've heard people say, and and I'll kind of elaborate on this a little bit more later on, but um, you've heard people say, oh, you know, I misspoke. You've heard that a lot. I misspoke. And I understand that. I think every one of us have said things that we didn't fully mean or that we know immediately that we shouldn't have said. But if your mind is functioning properly, then really what we say has some basis in what we're thinking. So when someone says, I shouldn't have said that, or I misspoke, well, it's really coming from here, not just here. You know, I, 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 I don't just say it, I think it first. I have seen and I have learned that when people spend time with other people and they begin talking, they'll discover what is within each other's hearts. You notice that? Spend time with someone, even for a little while, and within a relatively short period of time, you will find out what's in someone's heart, what's important to them, or in some cases, what's not important. Some of you have seen this. You ever, you ever, uh, all of a sudden, found yourself on a road trip with someone. You're kind of locked into a car, and and you're on a road trip, and and uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable. So you just start talking, or or maybe you, it's not uncomfortable. You just start talking. You go on a road trip with with someone, and you're going to find out what's important to them. You're going to find out the the things that interest them, the things that they're passionate about. When you spend a lot of hours together, uh, in a class or together on some project. When people are forced together by some means, you're going to find out what's important to them. When you're shoulder to shoulder on a long plane trip, or you're spending time like that together, and you're talking, you're going to find out. I I was reading recently of a gentleman who spent some time, some years in prison, and he, he made the comment that of all of the cellmates that he got, right, people that were in the same jail cell or prison cell with him, he always knew, he said, what was important to that person within two hours of their arrival. Because they're forced together and they're starting to talk, and he knew what was important to them by what they said. What Jesus said was, of course, spot on. Jesus knew what he was talking. Our words reveal what is in us. Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart. You see that last line there, what you, Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So guilt or gratitude or praise or pride or lust or laughter or rage or resignation or hope or helpless. You start listening to someone, start talking to someone and you're gonna find out what is in their heart. Jesus said that the good flows from what's good in the heart, the evil flows from what's evil in the heart. what you say flows from what is in your your heart so so what we think heart and mind will eventually be spoken words and what we say will be heard eventually by someone else. Let me say that again. What we think will eventually be spoken and what we say will be heard by someone else. A little boy was speaking with his grandmother, who his mother's mother, who had just arrived for a visit little boy said oh grandma I'm so glad that you're here now daddy will do the trick that he's been talking about the grandmother said and what trick is that the boy answered well daddy told mommy that he would climb the walls if you came to visit Let me say this again. What we think will eventually be spoken and what we say will be heard by someone else. Now, that invariably is going to create a tense situation between mother-in-law and son-in-law. But don't you wish it could be limited to that? Have there ever been times where you said something that came out of a heart that was damaged, or you said something that came out of a heart or a mind that was hurt, and and you said something, and eventually uh, the person that was involved heard about it. Don't raise your hands, but how many of us, how many of us have said things from our heart, one way or another, that others heard about and that maybe did even did some more damage. Jesus said there's a connection between what is in our heart and the words that we say. There's a connection between them. So again, my question to you is, what are you saying, and what does that reveal about your heart? A few months ago, I think I may have mentioned this in another message, but a few months ago, Joni and I were talking, we we have coffee and devotions together almost every morning and and she was sitting across from me, and we got on some subject and I made the comment and and when I said it, her eyes went up, and she said, "Where did that come from um it wasn't it wasn't like profanity it wasn't but I said something pretty cutting about someone and uh would have been very hurtful had that person heard it my wife said well where did that come from and i said well it obviously came from my heart and so that reveals not something so much about my words but something about what's here or here and uh our words reveal a great deal about us so so just do a little bit of um self-reflection a little bit of self-analysis if you would right now uh What are you you talking about? Uh, And and what does that reveal about what's in your heart? When you're with someone, particularly someone that you would say maybe consider safe, uh, what does that reveal about your heart? It's a good question to ask. Jesus said that what we think about, what's in our heart, flows out of our mouth. Well, Romans chapter 10 also gives us a reference about this heart and mouth connection and it's it's in a it's in a different vein it's in a different directive Romans chapter 10 verse 9 shows this heart this mouth and heart connection are even important for salvation did you know that did you know that even our salvation has a heart and mouth connection. It says there in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Just think about that for a moment. Our words matter so much that if we come to a point in our life where in our heart we know, we absolutely know, we believe, not just say, but we believe that Jesus was unique, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was different from any person who ever lived. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead in victory, if we believe that, and also with our mouth declare that Jesus is my Lord, that he is my master, that he is the one who reigns and rules in my life. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will experience salvation when you believe in your heart and you say something with your mouth. See, this is why it's really important that we have a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I may be be offending some people, but I have to speak truth. Something that your parents did for you a long time ago, with good intention, when maybe you were just an infant, though it was well-intended and in itself not necessarily bad, but you have to make the choice and the decision to follow Jesus Christ upon your profession of faith. See, a little baby, they, they don't understand. They, don't, they, 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 don't, they, they can't articulate, they, they can't put it together that I have to make a choice in serving Jesus Christ. But this is how powerful this heart and mouth connection is. That if we believe in our heart and we profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we experience salvation through Jesus Christ. You remember some of you, so many of you can recall back to that point in your life where you said, I'm I'm broken, I, I need help. I need salvation. I can't fix myself. Jesus, you alone can. And I believe that what you did on that cross and what you did through the empty tomb is sufficient to save me and to forgive me. I believe that can happen. And I declare that you are my Lord. I'm no longer gonna try to be the Lord of my life. You are the Lord. And in that moment, there's a powerful thing that happens. Not only powerful, but eternal. You experience salvation through Jesus Christ, glory to God. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have not. Some of you perhaps listening or watching this morning, you've not experienced that. How does it happen? It says it right here. I believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose from the dead, and I declare that he is my Lord. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. My Lord. And you experience salvation. It's a powerful beginning. It's not the end, it's a powerful beginning. So words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. In fact, words are also powerful. In asking Jesus to forgive us. Before I go any further, don't raise your hands. But how many here have needed forgiveness in your life? Well, every one of us, right? We need a savior. We need a, a deliverer. Words are powerful in asking Jesus to forgive us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, that's not the best verse that I'm going to read in this section. I'll get to that. But we have to look at this verse. Again, verse 8, John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This tells us that if we claim, claim, that's, that means to say or declare. We do that with our words. If we claim or with our words say that we have never sinned, or that something isn't sin, we are self-deceived and God's truth is not in us. Now that verse that you see before us, that the Holy Spirit inspired John to write a long time ago still applies for today. That tells us, and it's a very, very serious verse. It says there, if we say we have no sin, then we are self-deceived and God's truth is not in us. That's a powerful, powerful and disturbing truth. If we claim or with our words say we have never sinned or that something isn't sin, we're self-deceived and God's truth is not in us. Look at a couple of verses later. Verse 10, it says this. If we claim, right, again, say or declare, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is how powerful words are. So, with our words, we can deny that something is sin, and we can even deny that sin itself exists. But in doing so, we're doing two things. We're lying to ourselves, and we're calling him a liar. Isn't that what those verses are saying, verses 8 and 10? If we say there is no sin... We're self-deceived, and we're calling him a liar. If we say there's no sin in me, then we're self-deceived, and we're calling God a liar. Now, let me just pause here for a moment before we give you the good news, because this is not good news. This is serious stuff. This is hard. There are people today, every place, everywhere, who will declare there is no such thing as sin. That there is no God, that there is nothing there is nothing that can come, or if there is a God, there is nothing that can come between me and him. That's what we call sin. You see, sin. Many people say sin does not exist. There is nothing like that. And yet that is so disturbing because it, it has eternal ramifications. It means that there are people today who say sin is, no, is not a factor. Who are going to be eternally lost because they're self deceived and they're calling God a liar. That's how powerful, powerfully disturbing that is. There are people who say, The things that I'm doing, it's not sin. And yet the Bible's very clear it's wrong. It's wrong before God, it's wrong before mankind. So many, so many people say, why do we speak out against certain things? Why do we say that the things in the word are, are powerful? Why do we say that these things are wrong before God? And we point them out and we say we need to repent of that. Because if they do not repent, if they do not acknowledge that this is a sinful behavior, then they're going to be eternally lost. That's how disturbing that is. How many people do you know who are living in some kind of a sin? And I'm going to let you fill in the blank. Who know that they are in violation, or maybe they don't know, that they're in violation of what God's plan for mankind is, but they say there's no sin. They're lost. They're lost. They're eternally lost. So when people come to me as a pastor and they say, why do you call out those things? Why do you point out those things? Culture has changed. Society is changing. Attitudes towards certain things are changing in our society, and I agree they are. But if God's word says it's a violation of his plan, then it is still sin. And for us to say it's not sin, is a, is a, is it, we're deceiving ourselves and we're calling God a liar. That's how serious this is. Now here's the good news. <laughs> the verse in the middle, look at John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a powerful statement. Again, if you highlight or underline, would you do that? In fact, if you don't, hand it to the person next to you and they'll underline it in your Bible for you. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful truth. If we confess, how do we confess sin? (laughs) With our mouths. We call it what it is. There have been times in my life where I just had to say, God, I'm going to call this what it is. It's sin, and I confess it to you. I'm alone, and I just say, Lord, forgive me for this sin of, and then fill in the blank. There's something powerful in that. When with our mouths, we confess our sins, and I love the promise here. What does this say? He is faithful. God is faithful, and he's just. Talk about a just, we serve a just God. He's faithful, and he's just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a powerful statement. That with my words, you say, how can that be possible? That with my words, I can be forgiven? Because he did all the work on a cross. So that all I need to do is say, Lord, this is wrong. I surrender it to you. I repent of it. Repent doesn't mean I'm just sorry for it. Repent means I not only declare that it's wrong, I ask for forgiveness, but I turn my back on it and I never go back to that again. That's repentance. And if we do that, when we do that, when we do that, when we confess our sins, glory to God, he is faithful. He's waiting. How many people is God just waiting for them to say, Lord, what I've been doing for a short time or for a long time, I, I, I recognize it for what it is. It is sin, and I confess it to you. And he's just waiting for us. We have a part in this. We have a part in this. And that is with our words, confessing it to him. He's waiting. And he. when we do that, when we say, Lord, I'm going to call it what it is. It's sin. It's wrong. I renounce it. I repent of it. I turn my back on it. I know that you alone can forgive me. I know that you alone can deliver me. I confess it to you. And he's faithful. And he's just. And he not only forgives our sins, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There are so many people. They're so, they're good people in many ways. They're 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 in in some ways even honorable in some ways they're they're in so many ways they're gifted but they're so close but they must come to the point we must come to the point where we say lord i confess it to you with our words see how powerful words are 2 weeks ago we talked to, from the book of james at how how our words matter and The things that we say last week, we looked at the power of words and how they can be used in three different ways from the book of Proverbs, how we can use them to hurt others, we can use them to build up others, we can use them to act as a gift to others. But I want you to understand this week, in this week's message, our words have eternal ramifications with our words and with our heart, this mouth and heart connection. God can absolutely begin to transform people. This morning, if you're here in this room or you're joining us uh, electronically, I want to encourage you and that you understand that this message is for you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you can do so right now. In fact, in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer. Whether you're here in this room or, or joining us online, I, I want you to, to do this. We're we're gonna we're gonna pray this prayer. We're we're going to give ourselves to the Lord. And if you've never done that before, or maybe, or maybe there's some things in your life and you just need to confess that to the Lord. I want you to know at the close of this time, um, we're going to give you opportunity to pray. But these altars will always be open. If you want to come and you want to kneel down and spend some additional time with the Lord and maybe confess some things. It was a number of years ago where I was bound in something. Not for a long time, but for a short time, but nevertheless bound. Bound is bound. Uh, bondage is, is, is a very real thing. And I remember recognizing that I was, I was bound in sin, and I came to an altar of prayer, and I, and I said, Lord Jesus, I call this what it is. It's sin, and I confess it to you, and I experience powerful deliverance from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to experience that. these altars are going to be open. But I want to lead you. For some here, this may be the first time you've ever done this, but I want to lead you in a prayer. So would you bow your heads with me, please, across this congregation, wherever you are? Would Would you bow your heads? Lord, in this place and in this time, Pray for the persons that are here. I believe you've been preparing us for this. And Lord, even right now, in this room or elsewhere, even very quietly, Lord, we just make this very simple prayer. Lord, I believe in you. And I believe that you died on that cross and you rose from the dead. Not just a point of history, but the most important point in all of eternity. So I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart I confess my sins to you. I call them for what they are. And I ask that you will forgive me, that your blood will cover me. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those who prayed that prayer for the first time, I believe that they have now just begun an amazing adventure that will last for forever, for eternity. I pray, Jesus, for all of us that we would understand this heart and mouth connection. Jesus, I pray that We would recognize in our words the things that are in our hearts. It applies to every one of us. It's out of that heart that the the mouth speaks. So, Lord, would you reveal things about our hearts through our words and not leave us there, but set us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Would you stand, if, if at all possible? Would you stand across this congregation? I want to ask God's blessing on you. I know there are a lot of uh, a lot of events planned for Father's Day, and we want to bless you as you go. Um, and uh, but I thank God for what He's begun in some of your lives today. Again, these altars are open. Would you bow your heads with me one more time as I ask God's blessing on you? Now, Lord, I do that that you would keep these people, that you would guard these people, that you would use them for your glory, that they would not only be disciples, but disciple makers, that they would not only be followers of the most high God, but that they would lead others into following you. Jesus, that you would guard them and keep them, that your Holy Spirit will go before them and empower them. I ask this, Lord Jesus, we ask a very special blessing upon the fathers today, Lord may the generations that follow them even beyond perhaps their lifetime if you have not yet returned even beyond their lifetime that they will influence generations to come i thank you lord for every person here every person listening we thank you we pray these things in the beautiful and wonderful name of jesus that we declare with our words amen god bless you go in the presence and in the power of the lord jesus christ These altars are open. God bless you.